Grew up in a little house of eight kids. Nobody prepared me for how life is. But I learned a lot of prayers. Dad thought God was all there was. And we knew when we broke his heart, we'd quickly be the wayward members of the bad, bad family. Bad family. Bad family. A podcast about black sheep, bad kids, bad family. Let's get started. Hey, bad family. Quick update before we kick things off. We're taking an August break, but we'll be back with Bells On in September. Thanks for sticking with us. Hope to see you then. Hey, Lincoln. Hey, Coco. How's it going? Going pretty good. Um, just having kind of a lazy Sunday morning. Yeah, me too. I got up relatively early and got some stuff done, but then I was trying to take a nap <laughs> right before we recorded. I feel sleepy. That's all right. I'm having some coffee right now, so. Ooh, I'm not drinking coffee right now. <laughs> I'm kind of off coffee. I um, drank too much coffee yesterday and felt like it gave me, like, super anxiety, like, heart fluttery. Oh, dang. Yeah, basically, I felt like it was like amateur hour. I was like, what did I do? <laughs> so I had a very uh, adverse uh, reaction now where I'm like, I don't drink coffee now. <laughs> well, at least not for now. So I had some tea this morning, but I'm I'm off coffee for a little bit. I'm still at usually like one or two cups a day. Um, but on a side note, do you want to hear something cute? Yes, always. My, um, my house is pretty cold. So I just walked outside of my, and we, we got a new kitten a few days ago and I see that she crawled inside of uh, a pillowcase on the couch and is just sleeping there. Aw, cutie kitty. <laughs> what did you name her again? I can't remember. Her name is Petra. Petra. I was thinking maybe it was Pia. It was, I mean, Petra's a very darling name. Thank you. Well, um, this is not so cute, but our cats do the opposite. Our house is always really hot. <laughs> Except for our bedroom where we have our main, we only have one air conditioning unit, but it's like a floor unit that connects to the window. So it's a strong air conditioner, but it's not strong enough for our entire apartment. So it just gets varying degrees of hotter as you go toward our kitchen, which is like the door. <laughs> so our bedroom is cool and then it's less cool in the living room and then like flaming hot in the kitchen <laughs> and in the bathroom. So our cats will usually be in here asleep in the bedroom because it's the coolest place in the house. Or else sometimes Crow gets on top of the refrigerator because I think it might feel cool up there. I don't know. Where did you get them both? Um, Crow was a friend's cat, one of Matt's friend's moms, his friend Jaga's mom was moving and couldn't take the cat with her. So we adopted him. And then we adopted little cat on the street. I used to take the ferry down to a downtown Manhattan Wall Street stop. Uh, I forget what it was called 11th Street Ferry, whatever the downtown ferry stop was and then it, at the ferry here in Greenpoint there was a sign about a cat that needed to be adopted um, from a local cat colony we live in Brooklyn and there's like these little cat colonies every few blocks which are just like people feeding outdoor feral or half feral cats <laughs> and we adopted one who we named Little, and she is incredibly sweet, but also it was very clear that after we got her that she was mostly feral. It took her a, maybe six months to, like, come out from under the bed. <laughs> she was... um, that's good. That's about our cat. We got Petra from a kitty cafe, so she was already, like, used to hanging out around other cats and used to being around people, so she's, like, very social and um, she loves jumping on you, actually. Oh, that's funny. I didn't know that you could have... Well, first, I didn't remember there were kitty cafes. And 
too. I didn't know you could adopt from them. Is that a common thing? Yeah. Um, so there's this place in San Francisco that we go to called Kit Tea Cafe. Um, it's basically you pay them, um, I think it's like 25 bucks or something. And then you can hang out with cats for an hour. They give you like bottomless herbal tea. And then some of the cats are available for adoption. I like um, that. Sounds cute. They even they split up the cafe. So you can pay to hang out with the adult cats or you can pay to hang out with kittens. And there are options for both. Okay. Real talk though. Is it cute in there or is it like smelly and hairy? <laughs> um, It's a little smelly. But that's just because there are so many cats. It is it is cute, and the tea is really good. Really good. That sounds like an allergy attack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is this dog bar in Williamsburg. I can't remember what it was called. It's not called Mad Dog, but it's called something like that. Big Dog, Bad Dog. I can't remember. <laughs> But everybody was always like, oh, I love that bar. And you could bring your dog. And you're, there were always, like, dogs hanging out in the backyard, which was, like, a patio slash garden area. Mm-hmm. But I always hated that bar. I thought it was smelly. Why did you want to have your drink with some dog barking up your leg? Dogs pooping places. I don't know. I just didn't like it. Yeah, I think it was called Mad Dog. No, I don't remember. I don't remember. I feel that too. I don't really like dogs. They're too what? Oh, they're too slobbery. This is a shock because I distinctly remember having a conversation with you a a while ago where I told you that I thought sandwiches were better than dogs, and you told me basically go to hell. Sandwiches? What's the correlation? <laughs> I don't remember why that came up. But I, I there was a period of my life where I was really into dogs, but I hadn't had any like real world experiences with. I hadn't lived with dogs yet, so I didn't know how annoying it could be. And also, um, in high school, there was this girl I was into who was really into dogs. So. Uh, dogs. <laughs> I love dogs. <laughs> That's funny. You were influenced by her. Well, I mean, just for the record, I do like dogs. I just think it is um, not relaxing to have a big group of dogs because dogs interact. And so they're like barking and owners trying to contain different dogs. So I feel like an experience with like one cute dog in the park is completely different than being at a bar with like 15 neighborhood dogs <laughs> ranging from like lap dogs to pit bulls not well, on leashes people, like i don't here here's the thing i don't hate dogs at all i like dogs what i don't like is dog people because usually they're the same people who like don't pick up the dog's poop on the sidewalk or who are like don't worry he's friendly while he's like you know barking like crazy at you i'm kind of scared of dogs actually Oh, I had a dog bite me in Brooklyn, actually. I don't think I've been bitten by a dog. It wasn't a bad bite. Like, it didn't break the skin or anything. It was more like a little nip. But it just surprised me. Because I was walking down the street. And this person walking their dog. Their dog was just like, you know, like, like yep, or something. And I was just like, oh. Oh. <laughs> oh that was a couple yeah, years ago. I don't like that. Well, I guess we are cautious dog I was supporters. <laughs> but not a dog lover. Well, I, I support other people having dogs. but I don't Yeah, know. me too. We didn't grow up with dogs. Mom did. Mom had Nephi, a little cocker spaniel named Nephi, but we didn't grow up with dogs. Yeah. So, that is not even pets. No, I can't remember if dad's allergic or not. I know mom is allergic. He's not allergic. He just said that so that we wouldn't adopt a cat. I think uh, he hit, I think his wallet was allergic. <laughs> yeah. I think growing up on the island, his attitude is like, why would I feed this thing if I'm not going to eat it? <laughs> That's probably a simplification, but there might be some truth there. 
I don't know. Well, anyway, um, I guess let's go ahead and get started. Um, Since this this is our last episode before taking a little break in August, um, I thought for Tell Us Apart, it would be fun to, you know, kind of end how we started by doing little introductions of ourselves um, and seeing what, if anything, changed or what we've, you know, if we perceive ourselves any differently (laughs) three months later, now that it's August and we started this um, in early May, pandemic times, 2020, baby. Twenty twenty twenty. Uh, okay, do you want to go first? Um, sure, I can go first. Um, <laughs> when I was thinking about this, I just wrote down some some words. I just I remember that in the first episode, I had a really hard time defining myself, and I think I'm more comfortable now. Um, I'm a New Yorker. I think I I would like to define myself you know the most by my relationships being like a daughter a sister a friend um also I think I'm more comfortable defining myself through my career now as well that I'm a director um, of a research department at a law firm but I don't despite that (laughs) I guess that's still difficult for me to say for whatever reason but I think like related to work I've I am a leader, but I'm more comfortable calling myself like a mentor or a problem solver or like even a team player. Um, And definitely, definitely, definitely these last three months, um, I think that I am a facilitator of this podcast, but also of um, conversations with friends and people. And that has been on teams at work and with our family and um, in my relationships, I'm definitely feeling strongly like a facilitator. Um, And then something I've never said, but I feel like (laughs) probably feels like strong identity right now since there's been very little to do is I feel very strongly like a foodie. Like, (laughs) like eating good food is my life now. (laughs) Oh, I saw that. Uh, ratatouille that y'all made that looks delicious oh. on instagram oh yeah i didn't make that map that. i just ate it <laughs> but it was delicious so um in saying that i guess i'm still not super comfortable identifying myself but um i think i'm getting better i definitely feel like i learned some things these three months nice thank you coco you're welcome who's next Who's next? I can go. Lincoln. Hi, I'm Lincoln. I work in education and I like what I do. Um, I am a better guitar player now than we when we first started this podcast. Um, I am the proud father of a new kitty, Petra. Oh, <laughs> I love you called uh, yourself father too, cat daddy. Yeah, I'm a cat, a newly made cat daddy. Yeah. <laughs> you. <laughs> Gonna speak for the audience there and say <laughs> you. Um, what else? I am a proud brother to smart siblings um and i've enjoyed being on this podcast thank you yeah cool good one link hi i'm Lindsay. (laughs) i'm about to turn 29 i live in los angeles i work in marketing it's fine it's not my love but you know it's all right um i am creative and empathetic and um smart and 
a peacemaker, I hope. Um, let's see. How am I different from when quarantine started? I think I am more forgiving of myself. Um, and maybe... Hmm. more uh man i don't know i feel like i'm just gonna make something up i was gonna say more willing to try new things but now i'm like i don't know that i'm trying what new things am i trying (laughs) i think i I home all the time (laughs) i don't know (laughs) i'm yawning so i guess i am uh I'm just laughing because I think Lincoln has been yawning throughout the podcast, so I'm becoming Lincoln. <laughs> yeah. Um, as you guys were giving your introductions, I realized I never even said my name. Wow. Makes you think. Yeah, makes one think. Well, anyway, thanks for doing that. I thought that was, was helpful. Um, I'm not sure I did a good job better introducing myself but I do feel like I've grown leaps and bounds in three months I feel like a different person maybe we all do just from like having lived through the past uh pandemic months but I feel different Hmm. how do you feel different um I feel kind of like I walked through fire I mean, do you feel like that too? Just like changed by struggle. I am now uh, a remote, full-time remote worker. You know, I was just like, when we started, Mm -hmm. I I wasn't, we hadn't gone remote yet. We were still, I think, commuting for like another week. At least I was. And then now I I just work out of my home office in the corner of our bedroom um, for the past three plus months. Yeah. I mean, I don't feel like different for that, though. I don't feel fundamentally a different person than when it started, necessarily. I think the circumstances are obviously very different. Oh, I do. Maybe, maybe, and maybe it's not just pandemic. Maybe it's just like challenges at work. But I feel like I've recognized a lot about myself, both good things, you know, what I'm really good at, what I've accomplished. But also bad things, you know, that like, I can't do everything. Um, I cannot, you know, always just like muscle through things. I have to take breaks. I have to take lunch. I have to have like healthy, healthier work-life balance or like, I just don't do well. Yeah, you have to do yeah. for yourself. And if you're not at the office, it's on you to sort of like decide when and where those limits are going to be and when breaks are going to happen yeah i guess so i guess that's primarily how i feel very different also just uh and maybe i feel different too just from being in like this perpetual state of unknowing do you know what i mean like in march i knew what my career was we weren't sure if we were going to go to you know on our london trip in april Lindsay, but for them for the most part, we kind of knew what our our lives looked like, you know, work or summer or I don't know. We just knew what life was. And I feel like three months later, I have no idea what life is. Mm, yeah. Well, sort of. That's interesting. In some ways, yeah, the the contours of life feel very un- stable but at the same time it's so uh repetitive (laughs) you know like I do know exactly what my life is it's like I am at my laptop on my bed like 95% of the time do you work sitting on your bed well yeah because our apartment is really small so you know Nina will sit at the our little tiny kitchen table um and she takes a lot more calls than I do so I will just stay in my room in case I have a call or I need to like concentrate. Doesn't that hurt your back? 
Uh, it's not ideal. I've been doing, that's one thing that I've, that is very different is I now have to do a lot of like, <laughs> like hip flexor stretches. <laughs> I've been looking up a lot of like lower back stretches. Dang, Lindsay, I think the number one best thing you could do for yourself <laughs> is just purchase a very cheap little desk for a corner of your room and a chair. Like I thought of don't really have room for it (laughs) anywhere all you need literally is like the space for a chair yeah Mm. i'll think about it well i personally (laughs) feel like you can't afford not to if you're planning to work the rest of the year sitting on your bed i think that's bananas the bed is gonna hurt your butt yeah not to be judgmental but i think you would be making a in irrevocably <laughs> wrong and and woefully <laughs> stupid life choice <laughs> all right well <laughs> that's broken <laughs> um i guess i mean i'm projecting because my back was hurting so much before i bought this chair on wayfair that is a lifesaver Oh, um, my shoulders have been kind of hurting just because I, like, I'll sit in bed sometimes, too, just to watch TV or whatever. Um, but my posture will normally, like, really hurt my back or my shoulders if I'm leaning weird. So I bought this CBD lotion from Whole Foods, and it's (laughs) so good. (laughs) Oh, man. This sounds almost like a joke, but tell me what it does it tender like, your muscles I don't my body happening. is instantly relaxed <laughs> after i put oh i have it i have something like that like a cbd balm that i got for period cramps it is excellent it's pretty great oh my gosh it feels so good really yeah, yeah. it's like all the knots on my shoulders just like flatten out <laughs> as soon as i <laughs> put that stuff on <laughs> All right, I'm not going to knock it till I've tried it. I'm just laughing because there's this whole, like, subplot storyline on um, Madam Secretary where there is this um, CBD lobbyist that everyone's making fun of because he's always, like, trying to get, you know, Congress people to support the marijuana lobby with and, like, bringing them gift baskets of, like, <laughs> CBD oils and lotions and chapsticks. <laughs> I mean, I had seen, like, people on Instagram market for it, so I was just walked by an aisle on Whole Foods. I saw a little bottle of it. I thought I'd try it. But, yeah, it's great. They aren't lying. I saw a CBD chapstick on Need Supply. I was looking at NeedSupply.com last night because I heard that they're going out of business. Need Supply is a a store in Richmond where we grew up. Um, Well, well, well. (laughs) And... I thought to myself, what in the world would you need CBD on your lips for? Just like a numbing, tingly element? How is that supposed to be? Why chapstick? Explain this to me. I think a lot of it is marketing. I think it's just kind of like... It's for wellness. Is it it like because on your lips you could smell it? You know how mom used to put mentholatum under her nose because the like menthol was like helping you breathe like an airway opener right but that actually does like open up your airways i don't think that cbd does that but maybe i just don't know i don't know i just thought you guys might know Hmm. i don't know that cbd has a smell it's not the same as like you know uh like weed candles like cannabis scented candles I guess I'm being incredibly Actually, judgy, but I don't know why anyone would want like hot, dank smell <laughs> floating through their house. I don't mind it. It doesn't smell that bad. It doesn't smell like somebody actually smoking a joint. It just smells like, you know, it's kind of earthy. Did I tell you, did I tell you guys that when mom and dad came to visit, and this was probably a couple of years ago, that we walked out of my apartment and mom said, what is that smell? And I said, <laughs> that mother is the smell of marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> that happened with Lauren one time. She was like, what is this skunk smell? <laughs> I was like, um, 
well <laughs> no but as mom said that it just made me laugh because she like had this triggered memory she was like oh I remember smelling this once in the park when I was a little girl well anyway let's get to the heart of it since we are gonna take a break in August before we come back for season two in September um, I thought it would be fun to kind of do a recap of our season talk about our season talk about feedback from our friends who are our only listeners (laughs) our siblings talk about uh, lessons learned so I can start by giving some feedback we've gotten on the podcast uh, yeah, I should preface it by saying this is all nice. I'm assuming that if if our friends had negative feedback about the podcast, uh, they wouldn't tell us. They'd probably tell each other. <laughs> Have they um, <laughs> rated which sibling is their favorite yet? Um, I think it probably depends on who, which of us they're friends with. Don't you think? Yeah, yeah all charisma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, many people said that we had good podcast voice. Oh, cool. You know that they enjoyed our banter or humor or just relationship dynamics. Um, And I had one friend who said that obviously he liked our dynamic, but it was it was impressive to him because he was imagining having a conversation with his own siblings on a podcast. And all he could think about was how boring that would be. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean... I hope that the uh, the implication of that is that our conversations aren't boring. Uh, sometimes I'm like, is this going to be interesting to other people? I don't know. I mean, I think there are every now and then, but generally we're witty enough to keep things going. Um, I've enjoyed it because I enjoy both of you. But I personally, I'm hard on us, so I think we have mixed success. I think we have had very, very interesting uh, conversations and equally I'm sure we've had some low moments mm-hmm. where we were probably yeah. bored with each other or just bored with our lives or the day or whatever and you know yeah. what let's be gentle with ourselves there because it is a boring time as much as is, as it's an exciting time like in the world of politics and whatever it's a boring time yes. on an individual level that's true. Um, the number one feedback we get on the podcast, which I feel we get kind of often, is that it's very relatable and mostly relatable re family communication. Like so many people have said to me that their family, they also grew up in a family with, you know, bad communication or imperfect communication or who had trouble talking about feelings. Or I had friends say that their family, you know, swept things under the rug. So it was very relatable hearing us talk in a similar vein. Um, And I've had other friends say that, you know, similarly, their family has no idea how to face emotional things. Or parents who cringe at the idea of therapy. Um, I'm not sure our parents cringe at therapy, but they certainly have never done it. And have never seemed willing to engage in that. So I think all of that, that toughness with familial emotional closeness is very real. Yeah. Our sister Megan actually texted us this week and said something I thought was incredibly insightful, which is that... Well, I personally had always felt like that our family's struggle to communicate had something to do very specifically with our family or who we were as people or dynamics or something like that, or maybe even somehow with Mormonism. Um, Megan was saying that she had realized that it's largely generational that for the most part, our parents were even less close to their own parents than they are with us, so that they felt they had made these, like, this, you know, these great emotional strides, because they were closer to us than they had been with their own parents. 
but like as the children in that dynamic like we wanted even more emotional closeness like we hope to be even closer with or more open with our own children you know if we have children than we were with our own parents so that was incredibly enlightening to me this idea that it was generational I think that definitely sounds accurate especially with dad I feel like I have a distinct memory one time of like I don't even remember what the argument was or or what but we had like a an emotional conversation and he told me something like my dad never told me he was proud of me (laughs) yeah that's you know it's just from everything I've ever heard about the way that that relationship between our grandpa and dad uh, was like, uh, it just sounds like that was very difficult and fraught and like obviously shaped the way dad is as, as our dad. Yeah, that's true. Also, I think some of what he projects on us comes from his own relationship with his own parents. Like, if you guys remember when we all went to San Diego for a family reunion, like, I don't know, maybe that was, like, seven years ago, but Dad, like, took us all to his parents' graves and was saying, when my parents died, I had left the church, and there's nothing that I regret more than not being active in the church when my parents died, which is why it's so important to me that you all return to the church before I die, <laughs> I don't know. Do you see how he, I, I feel but like I think it was his own? Yeah. Not, I mean, in a weird way, it's kind of sweet because he felt, felt all this anguish at not being able to rectify his relationship with his parents related to the church before they passed away. And I don't think he wanted that for us. Right. I just think that, I mean, you know, obviously I don't think that that's the correct way to go about it but I also understand where he's coming from sort of it's difficult yeah it is I I certainly didn't appreciate that at the time but in years (laughs) from my perspective now where I see him like projecting his own you know his own failure and trying to like change it with us I guess I'm just feeling a lot more generous about it. I just think it's interesting that he's, he still thinks of it as like the onus is upon you, the child, rather than as the parent, you know, taking a little bit more of a global perspective of it. (laughs) But, you know, I'm not a parent yet, whatever. I'm not trying to be judgmental. I just think it's, it is a lot of pressure as the child to feel like the burden of rectifying the relationship lies on you kind of submitting to beliefs that you do not believe in anymore. So anyway, but thinking of speaking of like our family dynamic, I was actually thinking about that the other day about, you know, closeness And I think part of, uh, like, why we don't feel as close in our nuclear family and and with our our extended family is that everybody wants to put on this front of being, like, good and okay all the time. Like, I don't feel like we have always historically shared difficult things or if we have it's been with like one person and then it kind of goes through the grapevine and it's like oh so and so is struggling with such and such thing does that feel like it rings true oh yeah I don't feel like we know how to be emotionally open and maybe it's easier after the fact you know to say yeah I was really struggling with this but we don't have like emotional vulnerability in the present we're not a a family that deals well with conflict um like in my own experience and just together family i don't think that we um approach difficult topics too well um so like for example uh we normally will have family chat on sundays but i wasn't planning on going to this one 
because one, they can be a little boring, but two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but well, I mean, that's everybody's fault. No, but two, last week, mom and dad hurt my feelings. So instead of talking to them about it, I just am going to ignore them for a little while. Wait, what did they do to hurt your feelings? Yeah, what did they say? I didn't catch that. I'm sorry. I don't think I saw you on the call last week, so. Um, they just think they're funny, but they're rude. Like, Haley had just cut my hair, and then each of them individually were making fun of it. And then dad uh, started saying how my face was looking puffier because I'm getting fat. But that hurt my feelings the most because, you know, like growing up, he told me, you're so skinny, you need to eat, you need to eat. Uh, and now I'm fat. You are not fat, and that was rude. But even- I wasn't expecting it to, like, get under my skin, but it did. I mean, but even if you were fat, it's, like, inappropriate of him to use fat in a negative context. Right. To, like, be shaming you. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's no reason to be commenting on, you know, your body at all. <laughs> so, they're just a little annoying to me. Well, I think they're certainly not perfect, but I, something I don't like about our family dynamic, not to call you out on this, is exactly that. Like, I feel like they don't get better unless you say to them, I don't appreciate you treating me like this. It's not acceptable. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and I hope they would do the same with us. Like, I've I've tried to say, like, I don't want to talk about nothing. I would like to talk about something. Tell me about your life, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I think it's difficult. Like, I I do think you're right, Courtney, that, you know, they have to be corrected to know that they're doing anything wrong. But uh, I also, like Lincoln, find it difficult to confront in the moment even like when I'm upset about something someone has done to me it's not at all easy for me to be like hey (laughs) don't do that it's much easier for me to like be hurt go away and then maybe try to like send a text like I need some distance from it well it's also hard for me to even like take them one-on-one after a family chat and like text or send an email or something yeah um because that takes a lot of effort and then i would have to navigate like this conversation where i told them what they did wrong where the much easier option is to ignore them and lick my wounds (laughs) yeah no i agree i do the exact same thing like it's much easier to take on you know just swallow it and be like it's fine it's fine but then it builds up this happens in like you know, I think this, it's easy to let this happen in many relationships where you're like, it's fine, it's fine. Like, I can just continue to bite my tongue until you get to the point where you're like, no, I'm pissed off at you <laughs> for like a million, you know, tiny infractions that I never bothered to acknowledge. Well, yeah. I mean, I just think it's not fine. And while it's not easy, if you don't practice, you don't get better. And I completely respect the idea of of needing emotional space or distance, you know, if your feelings are hurt. But I think it's a a negative practice to ignore it or never say anything. And while you can't control, you know, what mom and dad do, and not just mom and dad, what any other human you ever interact with or have a relationship with, while you can't control what anyone else does – and you can only control yourself. I feel like it's incredibly helpful and important to stand up for yourself and to let other people know how their actions have impacted you or made you feel. Because I do know that mom and dad would never purposefully, you know, want to hurt your feelings. Right. I think often what they think is funny is not funny or they just don't get it. <laughs> Yeah, or they think well, it's I, like light banter, but actually, would it be funny? You know, if if you had said the same thing to Dad, you know what I mean? No, he probably would have been deeply hurt. Yeah, <laughs> no, he's so super true. sensitive. <laughs> I think you're really you're hitting on something else that I've realized. Um, 
about this like coping technique that Lincoln and I obviously both have. And I don't have that. Which and I don't that... like it. It makes me mad. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I don't like it. Let me well, tell you I, I think, don't like it. I think wait, wait, I'm not done. <laughs> I think it's we both maybe do it because it feels like uh a way to preserve the relationship or it's easier, you know, you think that things are gonna be fine. But uh being able to acknowledge it is like uh, it makes the relationship closer, you know, like you're actually not preserving anything. We, we're not actually preserving anything by, by holding those things in. Yeah. I feel like I don't mean to be so strong. I, I do have anger about this, but it's not directed at you. It's directed at what I like, perceive to be like failed dynamics, I guess. And like wanting improvement. But I just feel like exactly what you said. You don't get closer without doing the work. It's like therapy. Do you know like Lincoln you're such a huge proponent of therapy. And therapy is hard. And it sucks. And it involves like turning a mirror into the why. And into the parts of yourself like you don't want to look at or don't want to address. And I feel like relationship building is exactly that it's hard it takes work it's like about you have to be vulnerable and like go there yeah i mean i talked about this a little bit at therapy where i was like hey my parents are my feelings um and he said what y'all are saying that i need to like confront them and talk to them more and i said you no something that broke my heart is something in therapy that happened to lauren she may have told you this story where lauren was having a really hard time a couple of years ago because she so deeply in her heart just wanted to make mom and dad happy and just do exactly you know, what they wanted. And she was talking to her therapist. And I don't even remember the context of what they were talking about. But Lauren was like, my parents want me to do this. And her therapist was like, but what do you want? And she was like, my parents want me to do this. And the therapist was like, but what do you want? And she was like, I want what my parents want. You know, like she couldn't even like <laughs> identify her own feelings because the layer of just like, I think wanting to be a good daughter and so wanting to to please our parents was so strong, which I think we all have to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. That just broke my heart. (laughs) I totally understood it. I totally related to that, but like Lauren not even being able to see herself through that like very strong pull. Yeah. Eye opening for me. It's hard. It is hard. I understand that. I also feel sort of distant from it because it feels like, you know, going on 10 years of like not doing what they want <laughs> and not being what they want. And not that that doesn't have its own scars, but it's like, at least I feel like I know more about what I want. I'm happy about that, especially if it makes you feel more confident and independent. Yeah. Um, I think I've always been contrary enough that I was always going to a degree going to say what I wanted or do what I wanted, but I've also always been a people pleaser so much to a degree that even though like I've irrevocably disappointed mom and dad by leaving the church, I feel like I'm always trying to make it up in other ways that will never make it up, you know? Yeah. I don't feel that way. (laughs) I just don't feel like I uh, would even know how. Or much less, I don't know. That it was... I mean, where you're coming. I'm I'm happy that I am at a point in my life where I don't have to, like, ask them or you for money to get by. And I think that they're happy that we can all support ourselves. But that's like the best I can give them. 
Well, yeah. I feel like I'm trying to take care of them now. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm trying to organize their retirement and like think about helping them get a house when they retire and things like that. I feel like I'm reverse parenting them or like I'm trying to parent them now and take care of them in the way that they took care of me. Yeah. I think that's I'm, not, good. I'm not even sure they uh, they want that relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I think they do appreciate it in some ways, but maybe it's also like um humbling in other ways. Because I I mean I've seen you do it where you're like, let's sort out your will, let's like uh figure out how you you know, your retirement and it you know not that I feel any like resentment in their reactions, but there's like a little bit of uh I don't know. Have you have you noticed like a, an edge of resistance where they're kind of like, Well, yes, but we'll just have to see. Uh, they're private about their money. I mean, I don't think they want me taking care of them because they're proud, which I completely get. But they're not private about wanting help and wanting to in that they like financial advice for me. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're constantly yeah. so grateful. I explain to them the concept of emergency savings. And now they're constantly like, I hope the entire family are all... <laughs> doing the savings because for the first time we had savings you know what I mean like that's a constant constant thing they yeah now about this novel idea that you could save money so when you needed it you had it <laughs> they're like Courtney you really cracked it where'd you come up with this uh, which I mean in a way makes me so glad better late than never you know but so things like that, I know they really, really appreciate, but they don't, uh, and not just mom and dad. I think this is a Mormon thing where that they love to give charity, but have a hard time accepting charity, like even from their kids, even though we would do anything for our parents, you know what? And like, and support them and help them. They feel like they're the parents. They should be the ones like giving us money, supporting us, sacrificing for us. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, I think we're trying to figure out how to like define ourselves. Earlier, they have always defined themselves as like care providers, and it's weird, I'm sure, to have the roles sort of shift under their feet. Yeah, I think so too. Well, and I also think, like, the thing in their life they're proudest of beyond their Mormon faith is their family. And, like, the two are not completely uh, unintertwined. <laughs> but they're definitely, like, proud of us kids, I know. Yeah. So... I mean, that's basically the feedback I've gotten on the podcast. There were like individual things about individual episodes, but it yeah, also had to do with being relatable, like friends who could relate to our episode about relationships or conflict and how we deal with conflict. Um, someone very kindly said they thought our family was smart and sweet. That's nice. I think, you know what? I'll own that. I think we are, on the whole, smart, sweet people. Where's Marty Sweeties? <laughs> Sweetie Smarties. Sweetie Smarties. Um, I don't think we try to be smart, but I do think we try very, very hard to be kind, even when it's challenging. Mm-hmm. I still try to be both. But. <laughs> yeah, speak for yourself. I don't think, well, I, I think that's like a misconception about what it is to be smart because I don't think kind of people who are like, you know, constantly trying to bring people up on facts and like provide statistics and blah, blah. But I do think that we like to be well informed and that uh, 
I think that we each have like pretty high emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Where do you think we got high emotional intelligence from? Do you think it was learned at home from like <laughs> a con- no, no, I'm, I mean, I maybe that seems funny to say because we clearly struggle, but I was wondering if like the reflective process of being a Mormon where you worship and turn your thoughts inward weekly had to do with something with developing emotional intelligence. Um, I don't think feminism had anything to do with my own emotional intelligence, but that was because I didn't, I don't know, I didn't pay much attention during Sunday school classes, if I'm being honest. My own personal emotional intelligence just came from hard experiences after high school and then um also part of it was from mission U, and i was taking emotional intelligence classes through that oh, program I didn't know that you took classes on that yeah like half the course was like soft skills and emotional intelligence what kind of things did you do in that class um <clears throat> they had us <clears throat> excuse me we had to take this one class called iLab that was based on this class from Stanford called Interpersonal Dynamics. Uh, so it was basically everybody sat in a circle in this room um, and there would be a topic for the week and you would talk about those things. So one of the topics was like, how do you think that you appear to other people? What is your like um, posture giving off? Um, and then, like, you can talk about your impressions of the other different people in the room. Um, there are some, there are some really interesting exercises, uh, like one where you, um, you wrote down the names of everyone else in the room, including yourself in the order of the influence you think that they have within that group. And then you, you order all people, like each person would line everyone up of everyone in the room in the order that they wrote down. So you can see what your um, opinion of yourself and other people is and how that uh, relates to other people's opinions. That's fascinating. Like, I I definitely know posture, um, how you're standing, you know, leaning in, leaning out, legs crossed, legs uncrossed, big arms, arms around you. All of that sort of makes an impression. Mm -hmm related to confidence or how you're positioning yourself in the world. Um, but in the moment, I feel like it can be very challenging to be aware of that unless you practice. And I also feel like for me, it depends on who I'm talking to. Like there are times at work where I'm incredibly confident. Um, I'm the director, I'm projecting, I'm presenting something, you know, it's, it's very clear that I'm leading something. And then there are times where I'm very much not doing that. Yeah, but that's a, that's a layer of social intelligence as well as like being able to adjust to these different contexts. Obviously, you're not going to be, you know, you're not going to be the leader, the the director in every social situation. That's definitely true. Something I realized though recently is that my confidence is not impermeable. Oh, mine's not for sure. You know what I mean? Like I'm incredibly confident in some things, in some aspects of my life, and incredibly unconfident in others, or my supposedly rock solid confidence in my own like ability to lead or to get something done can be quickly crumbled by doing one thing wrong and then I'll spiral. It's like how I drive. <laughs> I'm, not no. a bad, I'm not a bad driver. I'm a pretty solid, okay driver. But if I have people in the car and I do one thing wrong, I quickly deteriorate into the worst driver on the road. <laughs> <laughs> I just get embarrassed and then it will like spiral. So, I mean, I also very rarely drive. We don't have a car here. But I have memories of like driving with friends and then I'll like accidentally hit a rumble strip and suddenly I'm doing everything wrong. It's like crazy. <laughs> it's like, Stop driving, please. <laughs> Turn here. <laughs> you almost hit them. You know, it's like it's really bad, really fast. And I feel my confidence will do that sometimes too. Like if I make one mistake, I'll be like, 
uh, oh my God, like if I've made a mistake and I can't trust my own decision making, are, are other people questioning my ability to lead? And should I even be leading? And like, what does that say about myself? And, and like, who am I? Like, I can quickly spiral into having from absolute confidence to zero confidence. And then I'll just have to like take a break and like get zen before I can move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I can feel pretty confident and then other times my confidence will crumble away too. Except I don't think I have really any... I don't think I have a lot of control over it. It sort of like comes and goes with the days. So some days I'll go to work, I'll feel super confident, I'll send all these messages, boom, boom, boom. Um, and then other days I'll feel like anxious, so like pour over a message like six times before I send it. Uh, I feel I, I don't like that. That's me. I don't feel like I like I have low confidence all the time, but I also do have fairly high anxiety and that has gotten sort of worse and it's not it's not rational like I'll sometimes be in zoom meetings with like a small group like with my team and if I'm called upon to speak like I know logically like in my mind I'm like why am I getting nervous but I can feel myself getting nervous and like I can hear my voice start to shake and then that makes me feel more anxious even though like, there's no reason for me to feel that way. Like, I'm not unprepared. And it's not like I don't have anything to say. <laughs> Does that happen to you? Is that just an anxiety thing? No, I understand. Um, and it's not performing. I like, I don't really have a problem performing in front of a bigger group. But if I'm, like, in a small group, in a meeting, or even, like, at a party, that will give me more anxiety. It's happened to me before. I don't know why, um, but I I certainly have anxiety. I, I never put it together that it was anxiety related. <laughs> uh, but many things are probably anxiety related. Um, this is kind of funny, but also kind of sad, I guess. <laughs> I was saying to, to Matt yesterday, I was having really bad anxiety and I was worried that I had coronavirus. And I was saying oh, no. to Matt, it feels like I'm having trouble breathing and it's not like how they describe it's it doesn't feel like a, a band tightening around my chest it feels like I'm just forgetting to breathe and he was like that sounds like anxiety baby <laughs> yeah oh no that's anxiety. <laughs> but um yeah that's I mean that's anxiety man yeah I think um the fear of anxiety will make you like paradoxically more anxious. So sometimes like if I start to feel anxious, I'll just tell myself, okay, I feel anxious. And then that will at least slightly reduce the anxiety I feel because I'm not worried about appearing anxious. Cause I already know. All right. Right now I'm anxious. Oh yeah. I definitely think noting helps. I'm doing like a managing anxiety meditation course through headspace right now which is like 30 days of different, you know, meditations to help you manage anxiety. And my task for today is to be aware of, of when I'm feeling anxious and not ponder on it or not try to change it or, you know, feel like I have to review it just to simply note that I am or I'm not having anxiety when it's raising in my day. Yeah. Amen. So, well, uh, I have been uh, interested, <laughs> interested to see um, and also note in doing this podcast, all the very many ways that we are similar, but also our subtle differences in yeah. how we talk and how we think and how we approach the world. Well, I was thinking the other day how interesting it is that we you know, obviously we were all raised the same way, but I feel like our paths have been very different. Like I was reflecting on the episode where you were talking about how, Courtney, you were talking about how you like 
were still a devout practicing Mormon like well into your 20s and didn't leave until your late 20s and now I'm in my late 20s and I haven't been a devout practicing Mormon since like 19 something like that and Lincoln I don't know that you ever were well like I was going but well yeah I mean I officially was 20 it's just interesting like our our paths have been sort of parallel but not you know not the same yeah I think we've definitely had different different branches well I'm older than you guys so I'll be interested in like six years when you're where I am to see where you are (laughs) yeah (laughs) just like more time you know what more time will do for your lives um I've also been interested this season you know when I started when I said we wanted to do the podcast and we recorded our first episode Um, I didn't have a whole lot of direction. I had just like read about making a podcast and how many people said like what your podcast will look like is not often what the first episode is like that you sort of um, pivot and that you would iterate until you landed on what you wanted the format of your podcast to be. Um, And I've been interested in that. I feel like the heart of our podcast is conversation and wanting to Mm -hmm. have real conversation and meaningful conversation, like big talk. I was thinking, I mean, I say big talk because I was thinking yesterday, I, I caught up with some friends and I was thinking how nice it is to have meaningful conversation instead of just like small talk with small people. And I think this podcast for me has been the exact opposite of that. It's been like big talk with big people. Mm. And you guys are those big people. <laughs> yeah. Not literally, Lincoln. Your size is not important. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like that has been really clarified for me, but it's also been interesting topically, you know, watching our progression through this very first season and how it follows not only the news and like events in the world events in our lives but also like a mental progression of what we're thinking Mm -hmm. about and maybe what specifically I'm thinking about since I came up with you know every week I was trying to sort of facilitate what we spoke about Did it feel natural? Did it feel weird? What do you think? No, it felt pretty natural. I think we've gotten into the flow of it as episodes of the episodes of. Oh, here's a question: When people ask me what our podcast is about, um, I'm not sure exactly what to say, and I think I always describe it in a way that makes them not want to listen to it. (laughs) (laughs) I literally just described it to somebody as like, I said it's called Bad Family, and it's like we talk about our family and religion and stuff which i think is uh you know a broad but concise explanation of what we do yeah Lincoln, how do you describe it if you've ever had to describe it to people um i don't i haven't described it in very many words i will normally say hey i made a podcast with my siblings um and we talk about a lot of different topics um, we were political for a little while, right after George Floyd, but we have done a lot of, like, religious talks and mainly family talks. Um, and I don't even think we've done, like, too many inside jokes, either, unless we've explained them on the podcast, too. I'm not sure we have. Do we have a ton of inside jokes? I mean, like, family experiences that people wouldn't understand unless we explain them. Oh. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we've been very uh, inclusive. (laughs) I hope people listening to this feel like they know us or like they are, that it truly is relatable or it's like their family or even like they're a part of our family. They win. (laughs) 
Uh, I love that you said that because that like teasing, uh, like mean girlness, that is really a, a part of our family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you remember when like mom would be at our basketball games and she would be like, get the dumpy girl. You know, she would be like, really yes, rude I do. In the heat of like sports enthusiasm. <laughs> and she was the young women's leader. <laughs> she was like, yeah. Uh, Lord, get that dumpy girl. <laughs> Her mom is like on the sidelines, like, excuse me. I hope she apologized. What a terrible thing to yell across the church. I hope she didn't because I think it's really funny. Well, also, it's just like that's so not mom. You know, she is sweet, but like in the heat of things, it was like us versus them. And I do think we're very protective of one another, and that like, like that can come out. Yeah, I, I hope that dumpy girl any dumpy point. girl that came for you. <laughs> yeah, if there was a dumpy girl to get, I'd get her. You get her. Well, um, I'm glad we're taking this break. I need like a mental recharge that has nothing to do with the podcast. Just about like me personally needing rest. <laughs> yeah, because you're having anxiety. As yeah. you need to take a break. I need to take a break and have some like do some real self-care but i'm excited for our uh season two i'm excited for coming back together and for you know the conversations we'll have and the things that we'll plan um and Me for too. our our friends and listeners if if there's questions you want to ask us or any topics you want us to discuss um or talk about let us know reach out to one of us individually or we do have an email that nobody uses Bad oh, I didn't <laughs> we do bad family podcast at gmail.com wow we should accept uh you know listener questions yeah listener questions email us your questions email us the conversations you'd like us to have um rank which um podcaster is your favorite <laughs> yeah, yeah who's who has the most influence who has, who has the, the most influence most, who's the who has the smoothest podcasting voice Who's most likely to succeed? Who's most likely to return to the Mormon church? Which of Whoa. our sibling guests? Make sure you're writing all of do these Do you down. most prefer? Favorite color, black or blue? <laughs> black or blue? <laughs> uh, just kidding. But seriously, we'd love it to hear from you. Um, anything you'd like us to consider talking about, we will. Any questions? Yeah, any advice you'd like? <laughs> any questions? Any advice? Um, yeah, we, w- we will do a mailbag episode. Yes, we will. We will. <laughs> all right. You can look forward to all that and more. Season two coming right at you. September 2020, baby. Is that what I said earlier? 2020, <laughs> <Yes>, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, wait, another thing before we close. Um, do you know how I close every episode with that, like, ending I recorded where it just says, like, smell you later? Yep. I never say that in real life. Never. Never once in my life have I said that. I just felt like it was just, like, um, like a cool radio or- thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> Catch you later, cool cats. <laughs> Stay classy. Stay classy. Keep it classy. So we'll be back season two. Um, new song, new intro, new closers, same old siblings you know and love. <laughs> Smell you later. Smell you later. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening. Smell you later. <laughs>